Welcome to the Get Fit AF with Angie Fraser podcast, a fitness channel with a difference. We aim to challenge traditional views on fitness and what it means to be fit AF. We cover real questions from real people, including my clients and friends, chat with inspiring and passionate people, and maybe the odd rant along the way. Join us to get fit AF without the bullshit. So welcome, Jeff. Um, I'm speaking with Jeff Ash today, who is a fellow Mac Nutrition University um, graduate. And Jeff, you were in the same intake as me. Um, can you tell me a little bit about what you've been doing since you graduated MNU? Yeah, definitely. So glad to have a chance to talk to you about this. So I've been coaching um, a, a number of clients and uh, in Primarily fat loss has been the ones that tend to come my direction, but I also, uh, after MNU, well, actually when I started MNU, I was really interested in pursuing family and child nutrition. So uh, kind of the whole family together. So basically addressing issues with the, the parents as well as the children and taking a, an approach that would help all of them to benefit their health. And so since MNU, well, and even part of the way through MNU, I'd been uh, adding to my training and uh, it, so that I was getting a basis in uh, the child nutrition aspect of things. And so that's where I've really been focusing my attention for the last couple of years is in the area of, like I said, whole family nutrition and working with children. And so, so now I do still work with adults, but I also have um, been working with uh, several families with uh, the parents as well as their children. So that's been really exciting to see, to see the, the kids really blossom through that and, and see some of the changes that occur when, they, uh, when uh, nutrition is, is approached in an appropriate way for them. Yeah, and um, that was how we connected. Um, you're extremely helpful in our online community with MNU, the Mentoring Lab. And I have been approached by um, several families in my community requesting meal plans for their children who may be experiencing weight management issues and I had to be honest and say I'm not particularly skilled in uh, uh, working with children I don't work with children and from my perspective I imagine that it's a whole other skill set to be able to communicate um, you know the information to the children and I also feel that uh, a lot of, as you say, a lot of the, the habits that come in need to come from the whole family. And mm -hmm. so um, that was when I posted a question on our online community and you, as always, you jump in um, really helpful, which is fantastic. Um, so this is why we've connected today. So can you tell me a little bit about your particular interest in child nutrition? Does that come from personal experience or... Yeah, um, well, interestingly enough, I, I used to be um, a children's pastor for about five years. So I worked with with kids from the age of, well, I oversaw children from nursery age all the way up through um, about age 11 or so. So I'm not sure what grade that is there in, in Australia, but in the U.S. it would be fifth to sixth grade. Oh. And, um, and so I worked with those kids and then uh, I primarily worked on a you know, several times during the week, I would work with those kids during the week, uh, mainly in the elementary school age. So kind of in the five years old to 
again, 10 or 11 years old. And uh, working with that age group, I really developed a love for that. And then I, I, I've also worked as a uh, camp counselor, uh, summer where summer camps in the mountains where kids would go and spend part of their uh, you know, a week during the summer and and get to have a lot of fun with all of that. And then I also worked as a camp director. So I've done a lot of different things with children and uh, and just really developed a love for that because uh, kids are like little sponges. They're so teachable. And when you approach them in a way that um, where you you show them respect and show them that you you value them as little people uh they really respond really well when you when you teach them about things when you explain things when you talk to them on uh their level but not you know not talk down to them and that kind of thing and so uh, through that process i just really developed a, a love for working with kids and and in helping them uh, develop into you know thriving individuals and in that process of course you're also working with the parents because kids are very limited on what they can do outside the context of the family and what the parents will will support them in. And so when it comes to nutrition, then it was really a natural uh, progression uh, for me to when I began the uh, pursuing nutrition as a profession, it just naturally was like, hey, I want to help kids because. Uh, when you start working with clients, as you know, you start to really see how so many of the issues that adults struggle with started out when they were younger, whether that's a young adult or all the way back to when they were a kid. You know, you hear about people, yeah, I, got, I went on my first diet when I was eight years old. Uh, my mom used to always poke me in the belly and talk about, you know, I need to watch what I'm eating, you know, all kinds of different little things like that. Or maybe a parent or I had a client recently talked about a nanny who would force her to clean her plate before she could leave the table. And, you know, all of those kinds of things that are very well-meaning, you know, parents do these things for, for, uh, you know, it's, it comes from a, a place of love and concern and, and it's always well-meaning, but, um, but it often has these negative consequences, especially down the road. And so anyway, that's kind of where, where that came from. If, if we can head that off early, then we don't have to, if we can prevent breaking them when they're little, we don't have to try and fix them when they're when they're older. So absolutely. Um, I find since um, I, w- I was a personal trainer before joining MNU mm-hmm. also, I, I believe you were from what I see yes. on your website. <clears throat> and so it's a bit of a natural progression towards nutrition. Um, I find particularly because so many people have a lot of work commitments, um, very limited time to train. So you can't make the biggest impact necessarily with exercise in terms of weight management. Mm-hmm. So that's how I joined MNU. And I find that the biggest thing that I spend my time explaining to adults is energy balance. And to be fair, I didn't have the understanding of energy balance um, before I joined MNU. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you conceptualize that for children? Do you go down that path or what what steps do you take there? That's a really good question because, uh, in fact, somebody was just asking me about this earlier today, someone else from MNU, asking about a 15-year-old that they're working with in the gym and asking if their calorie requirements are the same as an adult based on body size and, and so forth. And, um, and it, it's really interesting because a lot of times we think that we can approach nutrition in that same way that is commonly approached in the fitness community with kids that, oh, let's just get them to eat less and let's let's uh, get them to count calories and yeah. all of these things. And it's very well-meaning, but it's, it's actually quite detrimental to their development. 
and it's and it really contributes to these issues down the road. And so uh, when it comes to things like energy balance, uh, generally the best way to approach that with kids is to just talk to them about the importance of fueling their body and that food is is a an energy source and that if they're going to have energy to do the things that they want to do, whether that's schoolwork or music or art or sports or whatever activities they need to power that with with food and that that food is that fuel and so it's important that they take it seriously when it when it's time to eat so when it's time to eat they need to be take that time seriously and say okay i'm, I'm gonna eat the amount of food that that's appropriate for me and we can talk a little bit more about how how parents can help with that but how, uh, how a kid would then uh eat an appropriate amount of food for them to to fuel their body through to the next time that they're going to be able to eat and um so that's how i uh, typically recommend approaching the energy balance one so we don't necessarily talk to them maybe when they're older you can start to talk about calories yeah. and stuff like that but when they're younger they younger kids don't have any concept of what that means yeah and so it's generally best to focus on habits and behaviors and modeling appropriate behavior so when mom and dad sit down to dinner they will make sure that they're they're taking that time seriously to eat enough food and the children will watch that and observe that and and see okay this is the time i you know this isn't the time for me to goof around and and play around i need to take this time seriously and so that's generally how we we approach energy balance so we don't really talk about it from the perspective of hey if you if you feel like you're a little bit big let's eat a little less so we generally don't approach it in that way we we approach it more in the sense of let's let's eat what feels like the right amount for our body based on our appetite and our hunger uh, one of the cool things with kids is they still have a pretty good intact uh, system of that internal appetite regulation system yes. that we're all born with it's not broken yet and well i mean sometimes it does get disrupted by various things that happen during childhood. But if we can prevent that from happening and kind of nurture that innate ability to regulate food intake, then they're, they're gonna be really set up for success long-term. So uh, hopefully that answered your question there. Yeah, it does. So you'd be looking more, as you say, at habits, um, listening to your appetite signals, mm -hmm. um, and maybe I suppose looking at meal times seriously rather than snacking throughout the day because when we look at our food environment um, and adults are subject to it too there's mm -hmm. so much food available for us all the time whenever we want it if we feel bad if we're bored if mm -hmm. you know it's there for us so food environment would be a big factor there too yeah, one of the really important things with with kids is is that uh, they thrive on structure and so it uh, one of the number one places that I always start with with families that are kind of like, how do I address nutrition with my kids? How do I help them? Maybe maybe the child is struggling with their weight. Maybe they whether it's too high, too low. Maybe the parents are concerned that it, based on the way the child is eating, that it could progress into a problem. Uh, maybe they're really active and the child doesn't seem to be eating enough to, to fuel their activities. So where we always start with that is is typically with putting in place some kind of a consistent eating schedule and sticking to those those times. And uh, one of the important things with with parents is there uh, we, we typically what we do is we divide up the roles and the responsibilities between the parent and the child. And this this is children, toddlers up to teenagers. So it, it covers a whole spectrum. Uh, the job of the parent is to provide or to decide what 
is going to be offered, what food will be offered, when it's going to be offered, and um, and where. And so the job of the parent then is to make sure that there is a, a meal that's provided at each one of these scheduled, relatively consistent feeding opportunities. And so then the job of the child then becomes whether they're going to eat and how much. So at each one of those opportunities, the parent makes sure there's plenty of food available, uh, that some of that food might be unfamiliar. So it might be a new food that the child's never had, but that at every single one of those feedings, there's always something that the child is familiar with that they can eat, they, they can be confident that they'll be able to eat enough to satisfy their hunger. And so that is, um, and, that, and that's at every mealtime. And so when you have that structure in place, what happens is then the parent provides the meal, the, the various options available, the child chooses from what's made available, they decide how much is appropriate for them. The parent doesn't interfere in the how much part. Oh, yeah. And then the child is able to continue to nurture that innate ability to regulate their food intake. So a child may eat like what we think is hardly enough for a bird at one meal. And the parent may be saying, oh, that's not enough. You need to eat more. You need to eat more. Mm. But what that's doing is the parent is saying, no, you can't listen to what your body's telling you that you're full. You need to eat what I tell you is the right amount. Mm. Uh, and now we start to put that pressure in there and interfere with that, that appetite regulation. If we leave it alone at that one feeding time, they might eat a little bit at another one. They might eat more to ac uh, accommodate for what the, the energy needs of their body, you know, coming back to the energy balance part. And yeah. so, um, so that's how the, the ideal way is, uh, the, the ideal relationship would be for, uh, between the parent and the child in that feeding relationship. And again, it's that structure that really helps. And uh, and if you make the child, well, if you keep the children eating at those scheduled times, then when the food environment is such that there's snack items around, they know that, hey, at, at those eating opportunities, we might have those snack options. I might make it available to my child today. I may make it available tomorrow. Uh, so we may have chocolate today, great, but we may not have chocolate at our next eating time. Um, but in between those meals too, they can't just go in the cupboard and grab something out to eat. So the, basically the, the idea is that you stick to those structured meal times, snack times, and then that helps, uh, everybody kind of regulate the amount of food that they're, they're eating. So it avoids that snacking that you were talking about. Yeah. And do you find that there's often conflict around what the parents would like the children to eat or what they should maybe eat a bit more of yep. um, and what the child will eat? And um, how do you work with, within that context if there's um, fussy eaters or, or mm -hmm. extremely fussy eaters? Yeah, absolutely. And, and in fact, that's, you, that's typically one of the most difficult areas to address with the parents. So the kids are usually on board. Um, in fact, you know, I, re I remember one of one of the clients that I took on, and and, and I had the it's a thirteen year old or twelve year old at the time, and um, and then the mom they were there, and I started off, and we were talking through the consultation time, and and when I told the kid that um, uh, that nobody is going to tell him how much to eat anymore, his eyes just lit up because so much you know people were were filling his plate for him well-meaning they were putting all of it on there and then he was expected to to finish it and it was just kind of a natural it wasn't super high pressure but he he was struggling in being able to regulate his own food intake because other people were controlling how much he was 
either allowed to eat or how much he was expected to eat. And so, um, and, and so that, uh, what happens though, is that when you take that, that pressure off on the, uh, whether they're going to eat and, and allowing the child to choose what foods are going to eat at first, if, if things have been, uh, haven't been following this kind of a structure at first, sometimes the kids will pretty much eat just bread and dessert and that kind of thing uh, yeah. at first. And it yeah. can be a scary kind of a thing for a parent to see, okay, I, I applied what you said. I'm putting all the options. I'm allowing them to choose what they're going to eat and how much. And now all they're eating is bread and dessert. And it's like, you know what? They get just like us as adults. They will get tired of that. And they will start to say, you know what? Today I feel like some chicken. And so then they start to incorporate that. And once that pressure is off of them and they're free to eat in the way that our bodies are really designed to to work, uh, they naturally that naturally falls into place. They begin to eat a greater variety of foods. They begin to eat um, an appropriate amount for themselves. You know, you, you talk to you know when I talked to um, another another kid just recently, we were talking about uh, about his eating habits. And since they've implemented this, he's actually finding that he's eating less food, but he's not hungry. You know, he's because he's he just naturally since he is the one deciding how much to put on his plate he's just naturally eating much less than he was before and so he didn't have to go on a diet he's yeah. now eating the appropriate amount of food for his unique body so it's sort of a different perspective where yeah. the diet mentality is here let me tell you how much you should eat to get to your goal mm -hmm. and with this what we're saying is you know what let's try and let's try and help these kids eat the appropriate amount for their unique body so they may not get skinny, but that's, we're not all meant to be skinny. We all have very different body uh, types and structures. And so, um, yeah, so that's I, basically how that process works. I really like how you're giving some agency to the child. Absolutely, uh, and yeah. kind of removing that conflict so it's not becoming a, an ongoing issue. Mm -hmm. um, because I think naturally as parents, and I know I've been there myself when my children were, smaller is that you you instantly get a bit of anxiety around um, the types of foods that they want to eat mm -hmm. and are they getting the proper nutrition so there and then in that moment um, you can be perhaps uh, like worried a little bit forceful maybe um, um, pushy to mm -hmm. a degree as well and um, but what you're saying is it will adjust over time if you keep modeling those behaviors and and offering the foods that you're more so wanting them to eat right and and really the it, it comes down to how we model that as as adults because our children are going to watch us and if we are uh if we are big vegetable eaters as an example well then our children will likely naturally gravitate toward those because they will be available at all of the meal times they'll be available there and they will be interested in trying them as they see the parents eating them and enjoying them and other family members enjoying them it doesn't happen overnight if that's an if that's something that you've always struggled with so it's not something you can go tonight and implement and then say oh well they didn't eat any vegetables i thought you said that they would it's like, oh, that's no, not yeah. it doesn't quite work that way um also what's really interesting with this is that um the, this approach was developed by ellen satter who's been doing this for several decades now and and uh she's actually 
well, you know me and my <laughs> my love for evidence based yes. uh, nutrition and, <laughs> and reading research and all of that stuff. And she has gone well out of her way to to have researchers validate these models uh, for this. And what they find that's really interesting is that when you implement this and when you leave it alone, you know, when you allow the kids to to eat the appropriate amount for themselves and uh, and and choose what they're going to eat at each individual meal. What happens is that over time, they find that the kids have lower BMIs. They find that they are more um, well adjusted in uh, in social situations. That they interact better in in all of all areas of life as well. Um, they also are more likely to eat a greater variety of foods over time, which seems counterintuitive when you say, "Hey, mm. you." You put the foods on the table, and yes, the kid can eat dessert before they eat their chicken. <laughs> and parents yeah. are like, "What? They get to eat dessert first? If, well, yeah, at first they might just gravitate toward that, but over time, they eventually they you know sometimes they might only eat half their dessert. Or um, and and what they find is that over time, when you take this pressure off and you, and you allow the child to do their job and the parent to do their job, then it it all evens out. And and the you know the job of the parent is to decide what's going to be made available. So. Again, it's not like it's a free for all. It's not like you're asking the children, hey, what do you feel like eating? And they say cake and cookies. Well, that's not what's on the menu. What's on the menu yeah. is chicken, broccoli, mashed potatoes. We have cake for dessert. We have fruit over here. And then they can choose from those different options. But um, again, it's that sticking to to your job, just like the child doesn't cross over into your job of deciding what's going to be for dinner. You don't cross over into theirs. Um, when it comes to how much that kind of thing uh, so and i guess part of that is the parents sitting down in that meal and making their selections as well so mm -hmm. everyone's sit sitting down as a family the child seeing that behavior um so everyone's kind of got to participate so like any nutritional strategy that we give people it can seem very simple on the surface but there's a lot of elements going into it yeah yeah there really is and, and a lot of it is um we have to let go of certain things that that uh, that maybe we have ingrained in us too. An example of that is that clean your plate mentality. You know, mm. so many people have grown up with the idea that you clean your plate before you leave the dinner table, uh, or when there's a new food, you have to try three bites. You know, that kind of thing. And so these are the these are the kinds of things that that with kids. Um, that's those are things that we should avoid doing uh you know if they what's really interesting with you know trying foods i guess i'm kind of going off on the tangent here but trying new foods a lot of times it's it's hard to uh parents are frustrated with introducing new foods uh, you know they bring them out and they think oh my you know i tried this two or three times and my kid i guess he just doesn't like broccoli well what they find in the research is that it often takes upwards of 20 um, non-pressured neutral introductions of a new unfamiliar food for a child before they become comfortable to actually eat that food. And so especially when they're younger, you can allow them to play with the food, sniff it, lick it, put it in their mouth, spit it out. You know, all these things that a lot of us as parents would just kind of say, well, no, I don't want him playing with this food. Uh, uh, I don't want him putting it in his mouth and just spitting it out. That's not polite. Well, these are this is how kids learn and uh, kind of explore and get familiar with different foods. And so those are kinds of behaviors that are actually beneficial in helping them learn to eat a much greater variety of food uh, long term down the road. And so, uh, again, it's that those non pressured neutral exposures to food 
just like as adults, I mean, when somebody tells you, hey, you have to do this, how are you more likely to try something if you do it on your own or when somebody tells you you have to do it? The same is same is true for kids. If you let them you take that pressure off them, they're much more likely to go ahead and give it a try on their own. And, but, you know, I mean, they may not. They may not ever like it. And that's OK, too, Be, just like you and me. There's foods you like and there's foods you don't like. Uh, and so we there's need not to, many foods that I don't like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but we also have to understand kids are inexperienced too. They have to learn to um, appreciate different textures, flavors, smells, just like we all did too. And so um, again, it, it comes down to those, you mentioned the family dinner. That's such an important time um, to model these behaviors and to also to introduce those different kinds of foods. Absolutely. Um, I've got to say, I think I've been a bit old school in the past. Um, <laughs> some of the ideas that you have brought up um, that I probably applied to my children at the time, let's hope they're um, not too damaged by that, but they do <laughs> eat a variety of foods. So that's, that's good. Yeah. That's great. But I'm loving the practical advice that you're giving. Um, so I think we probably covered a lot around um, the family environment, the role of the family mm -hmm. and particularly adults. I would like to go back to the um, the energy balance for children mm -hmm. is one thing that I haven't, I'll admit, I haven't actually looked into yet is, is there a different equation for growth, like factoring in growth for children, if you were to work out their energy requirements, for example? Yeah, there are. And, um, and typically, that's not something that I would advise people to do unless you're just kind of interested. Um, because the temptation then is to start yes. counting calories, even yeah. if you're doing it in your head. And yeah. then you're watching your kids and they're only eating, or they're eating, let's say, 1800 calories that you've tallied up in your head and you've ran the equation and they should only be eating 12. And you're thinking, oh, they're gonna get fat. And yeah. you know, all these kinds of things, this happens in all of us. And um, you know, I remember just as an, as an example, my late wife uh, was very, struggled with her weight her entire life. And when we had our youngest, I remember she was a little chubby as a toddler and I didn't know, I didn't know anything about all of this at that time. And mm -hmm. I remember she was a little chubby and I'm thinking in the back of my mind, you know, I didn't, I didn't act out on it, but in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, oh man, I hope she doesn't end up struggling with her weight like her mom and this, yes. you know, these kinds of things kind of going through the back of my head. Well, yeah. I mean, she's, she's 25 now and I don't know if she weighs 125 pounds or something. So Basically, what I'm trying to say is that uh, a lot of the, the concerns that we have with the with energy balance and body fat accumulation in kids and stuff, um, it, it works itself out as they're growing because they yeah. since they're growing so much, it's often they'll put on a little body fat before they grow up and then they kind of catch up to it and then they'll put might put on a little more fat and catch up to it again and those kinds of things but yeah the the energy balance equations are a little bit different for for children um i don't have the names of them off the top of my head but there's oh, there's okay. a couple of different formulas <laughs> that they're similar to like the harris benedict and the mifflin yeah. st jor ones that we use that are based on height and weight and that kind of thing but again in general um, unless you are treating a child for some kind of serious medical deficiency, um, I would tend to just say, you know what, just make sure they're eating uh, to satiety and uh, that uh, and, and that should take care of it. 
yeah, and listening to, listening to their body's signals of fullness. Mm-hmm. And I imagine that with activity levels with children, they would be so variable also. <laughs> yeah. They're probably going to be much, much more highly active than most adults. Um, it is. Yeah. And, well, so where do you start to look at? So we've talked a lot about nutrition habits, eating habits. Mm-hmm. Where would you start to look at either, well, increasing activity if that's a factor for your clients? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question too. And um, um, it, it really is, is, it's super, super important that the physical activity is something that the kids enjoy themselves. That there's just like with adults, you know, we find that, that um, our clients that seem to be the most um, effective in, in their uh, health and fitness related goals, whether that's weight loss or maintaining when that when that physical activity is something they look forward to and enjoy, they're so much more likely to do it because it's not it's not seen as a, a chore or something that they you know that they have to do or drag themselves out to do. So um, you know I have kids who just basically they just play sports at school and they just do their PE. I have another one who I do I do a strength training program for him yeah. in addition to that, and he because he he loves it. He's the one who asked for it. He uh, asks me about different exercises. Hey, what about this one? Is this a good one for me? Um, you know, he was talking about trying to do regular push-ups, and so we put together a progression to to get him to be able to do a full-blown push-up. And so he's working his way up to that now. Nice. Which um, and and those are all. And, and he also does just dance with a video nice. game. So uh, he rides his bike, he runs with his dog. And, and yeah. so when I interact with him, I always ask him about things. And he said, hey, I was able to keep up with my dog today. Um, I outran my dog, you know, all kinds of cool little things like that, that, that um, he's super active, but it doesn't feel like it's work necessarily, yes. even though he works up a huge sweat from you know, what his mom has told me. And so, um, so that's how I like to approach uh, physical activity with them. And in fact, uh, Ellen Satter, who's d- developed this uh, nutrition model that I talked about, uh, it, it's called the division of responsibility in feeding. So again, that division of the responsibility between the parent and the child. She's also put together a really cool way of um, uh, the, a model for physical activity as well, which division of responsibility in uh, activity and the way that she's broken that down. So, you know, as I talked about with the feeding, there was the uh, what, where and when is the job of the parent. And then the child, again, is whether and how much. And so when it comes to the division of responsibility with feeding or with uh, physical activity, uh, the parent provides basically the structure um, ensures that it's safe and then various opportunities for physical activity. So uh, they would uh, kind of help develop these um, just normal commotion and just physical activity, just day-to-day kinds of activities like that, providing safe places for the activities that the child enjoys, um, kind of fun and rewarding family activities together. Again, it comes to that modeling. different opportunities to experiment with different group activities. So whether that's sports or other kinds of play type activities, it could be formal, you know, organized sports, but other kids aren't so much into that. And so, but still providing those different opportunities for them to try out all kinds of different ways of moving their body around. Um, Part of that would also involve setting limits on things like the amount of TV that they're 
watching, but then you wouldn't necessarily limit the amount of reading or writing or artwork or those other things that are technically right. sedentary, but they're, they're really good for your mind. And some kids are going to, just like with feeding and kids have different types of and levels of appetite, they all have different um, levels of, of physical activity. I'm one who's constantly squirming and twisting in my chair and tapping my foot and all kinds of things like that. And I've always been that way, while another kid may not have that that same kind of built-in activity or you know energy level and yeah. that's okay and it and that's totally normal and then then the job of the child then is we need to trust them that they're going to be active just like we trust them to eat the right amount of food that's appropriate for their body um we also need to understand and and allow them to understand that kids have that different um kind of uh constitutional endowment for the amount of physical activity. Some are more active, some are less active. And so we need to just allow them to be who they are in that regard and, and those kinds of things. And so you can see there's this nice separation there too, where again, the child kind of decides how much physical activity is appropriate for them. And when we set up the environment in a way that's conducive to um, provide those physical activity opportunities, then we can trust them to do that you know obviously if you let them just have free reign of video games and tv all day it's it's likely that they might gravitate toward that just like if you give them free reign of the cupboard all day it's likely they'll graze all day on food yeah but if you set up that structure in the feeding and the structure with the where when and physical activity is available then then that'll fall into place and it really just sets them up for success going into adulthood to where yeah. it's just a natural part of who they are as a person I'm in a relatively small community here. I'm not sure what what your community is like, but I started getting my children to walk more places mm -hmm. more often once I felt like they were big enough and I had um, structure around when they would arrive, you know, the distance, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. And so that's been building their confidence um, in that regard and then just adding in that um, activity that's just normal, like to walk from point A to point point b but what mm -hmm. i do notice is that it doesn't i used to walk everywhere as a kid i didn't get a lift from my parents very mm -hmm. often i had yeah. to get myself where i wanted to be and i find that a lot of parents these days are driving their children everywhere the parents are spending a lot of time driving their children from mm -hmm. one activity to another so not only even if it's a sport activity they're not getting that incidental movement and not the parents are not getting time to do their movement I right. because they've been at work all day and mm -hmm. now they're like oh I have to drive little Johnny here and there and and we don't live in a big community um I find that interesting and I would like to see more kids sort of out and about I think to be honest but there's that fear factor yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely I mean when I was growing up I you know I grew up in the I'm 49 I'll be 50 this year and I grew up in the 70s and 80s and we walked everywhere I mean I walked to school when I was in kindergarten you know five years old I yes um when I was you know 11 and 12 and 13 we walked probably a mile or so mile and a half to school every day each way um when yeah. I was in high school it was much farther so we we did drive but uh, but yeah, so th that was just part of of what we did. We we didn't have anything to do inside the house. So if we unless we wanted to be absolutely bored out of our mind, yeah. we had to go out and do something, whether it was run around the neighborhood or play, um, climb bikes. trees, yeah, riding bikes, yeah. all of those kinds of things. And so 
Um, I think in our culture, we at least, well, where I live, I live in Dallas, Texas. So this is a, a very big community. Uh, I don't remember what the number is, but eight or 10 million people here. Mm. And so, yeah, it's all city. And a lot of activities are 30 or 45 minute drive away. I mean, just you, know, you go your doctor is a 30 minute drive your your office is a 45 minute drive uh you know those kinds of things and so there is a lot of what you were talking about where just this sedentary activity in the car for the parents and the kids also yeah. and so uh you in, in a lot of times you have to just be more intentional about it and it kind of comes back to that division of responsibility again it's as a parent i mean we have the responsibility to make sure our kids have those opportunities and that we don't um, shark our responsibilities, you know, like it's so easy for us to be just tired and, and worn down and our kids are melting down and we just plop them in front of the TV and say, okay, tomorrow I, we won't do that. But it's really important to stick to those structures that we have in place. Uh, if we want, uh, it really makes it easier. It's kind of funny. It's, you know, the short-term fix of plop the kid in front of the TV and just let them play video games all night or, or watch TV and veg out. It, it might seem easier at that moment, but long-term it, it con causes those problems. So again, coming back to that structure with the feeding times, it's gonna make everything much more enjoyable, just family life in general, much more enjoyable. The same with physical activity. Yeah, absolutely. It's almost like we're trying to fight against the way the world is going at the moment. So, so much sitting, mm -hmm. so little activity, so many commitments that require us in front of a computer or at a desk or for hours. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess teaching our kids about how the importance of that just general movement, not even move, not even um, organized sport or exercise right. as such, because that's a small yeah. component of your activity levels day to day, week to week, isn't it? Yeah, I, I remember yeah. that. And, and you you probably remember that too from our MNU uh, training where when they broke down the uh, the energy expenditure throughout the yes. day and the, the non-exercise activity compared to the exercise activity, even in someone who's, you know, exercises regularly, Absolutely. we often think that the exercise is where we're burning the most energy, uh, but only really in those kind of like higher athletic uh, you know, those those higher level athletes, is that the case for most of us, even pretty active people, it's that non-exercise activity that that uh, beyond our basal metabolic rate that uses up uh, the bulk of the energy that we expend each day. And so if we are doing things that shrinks that, then we're significantly reducing the amount of energy we're expending. And, and of course, yeah. then you know, it, it also sets us up you know, when we watch TV more often or when we're doing sedentary activities, we you know, we both know that that tends to result in more of that boredom eating or emotional yes. eating or those other things. And when we're doing those physical activities, it it helps regulate our appetite better. We feel better. Just all those things that makes it easier to eat again, eat the appropriate amount for our body. There was some research, wasn't there, Jeff, you'll know, around um, people who exercise regularly tend to manage their appetites mm -hmm. um, better, which yeah. would be counterintuitive, I suppose, if you think of it purely as calorie burning and then needing more energy. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I do recall seeing something about that. I'm sure you probably read it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it it is. It's it's really fascinating how how when you treat your body well, and that's really ultimately what we're trying to do with, with what we should be trying to do with our kids, teach them to treat and respect their body well. 
if their body needs food, they should give it food. Uh, if their body needs rest, they should give it rest. Uh, understanding that when they give it this physical activity, it has all these trickle down effects throughout the whole body. So somebody who struggles with their appetite, who's very sedentary, we find, and that's what some of this research shows, when they just start doing some, getting more active and doing some basic um, exercises, you know, we know resistance training is one of those that can be beneficial in that area, it just starts to make the body function better. All of those systems in the body are our appetite regulation systems, our hormones, our mood, um, everything just seems to work better when we treat our body well and when we move it around and, and give it, um, you know, the appropriate amount of food and all those different things. So it's, it's, it's really remarkable. And that's ultimately what we want to do with our kids is help them to make that just a natural thing they don't even have to think about. Absolutely. So Jeff, I did do a little bit of research on what you're up to at the moment and you mm -hmm. have a business called Hope, mm -hmm. Hope Drives Me. Yes. And you are providing online um, coaching mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. seminars. And you also have a podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So I do uh, I do the online coaching and uh, with individuals and then also, like I was saying, with families and uh, and kids of, of any age. I, I, I don't do eating disorder types of, of things like that, of course, uh, as you would know. But yeah. um, but basically you're relatively straightforward cases where, you, you know, just trying to help families really get a handle on this setting up this division of responsibility. And so that's really where my passion is right now. I, I really focus a lot of my attention in that area. And, um, and I'm really a big fan of the, of intuitive eating, which we could talk about another time at some point, yes. but, uh, and so, um, but yeah, um, that, and then, um, doing things like this with the podcast, I have a weekly podcast I do with, uh, Rebecca Heald, who I'm not sure if you would know her. She graduated a little before we did. She was still in the lab for a short time when we were in our, our course. Um, but yeah, she and I uh, both have a very similar drive for helping families and, and children. And so we kind of partnered up and, and do a podcast each week where we talk about uh, child nutrition and uh, intuitive eating and kind of that non-dieting approach to um, improving our well, our health and and uh, wellness and so yeah so we do that and then we also do a, a weekly live over on linkedin so lots of lots of talk about nutrition and and these things uh can't seem to get enough <laughs> so <laughs> there are so many facets to mm -hmm. to go um so i'll provide the links for those in the notes and thank okay. you very much for your time jeff oh yeah this was great i really enjoyed it